We're going to jump right into the scripture this morning. If you have been with us over the past several weeks, we are continuing through a series called Follow Jesus, and we begin now the next chapter of the book of John that we are walking through from beginning to end. And so if you have a Bible, let's turn to John chapter 5. And if you need a Bible this morning, feel free to grab one in the back to keep. We're going to read John chapter 5, and this is a little bit longer passage or story from the scripture this morning, and I'm going to read for us verses 1 all the way through 18, uh, which is that whole story, but just to get us started, I'll be reading from the English Standard Version this morning. Hear the word of the Lord now, John chapter 5 and verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he, asked, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who healed me, that man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk. Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well, sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. What a powerful passage of Scripture this morning. Let's take a moment and let's pray and ask for God's guidance and blessing as we uh, look to His Word this morning. Heavenly Father, God, we pray that You would give us eyes to see and ears to hear Your Word. Father, we humble ourselves under Your mighty, perfect, inerrant Word. God, would You call us to trust You in a fresh way? Would You call our dead hearts to life this morning, Father, help us to believe you and who you say you are in your scripture. God, thank you for the reality of your grace, your love, and your healing that is revealed in this passage. And we pray this with thankfulness and we worship you as Lord and as King and as Savior this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Four questions this morning that the scripture has for us. Four questions. The first question that the scripture, Jesus himself asks us is this, do you see people in need? Do you see people in need? 
We are, the scene here is the pool of Bethesda. It is located in Jerusalem. Today it is known as the pool of St. Anne. The pool was known to ripple from time to time, even in ancient times, and it was most likely caused by an underground spring of some sort. To be clear from the very beginning, the water did not have magical healing powers. God was not working through this water. It does not indicate that. There was no miraculous power in the water. We don't know for sure, but most likely someone at some point who was dealing with disease or paralysis got into the water, they saw it ripple, and they assumed because of what they saw that perhaps they had been healed, and out of those type of experiences, legend began to grow around this pool at this specific location that it had the power to heal. And so literally hundreds of people who were ill and infirm would gather and essentially live near this pool so that if they saw a ripple, that they could try and get in before the ripple ceased. In fact, the, the author John gives us a very specific detail as to the significance for people in that era and how many people must have been sitting there in pain waiting because he says that there were five colonnades, which is essentially five porches, that were built so that people could stay in the shade as they waited for the ripple in the water. Their hope was in the ripple. We need to understand from the very beginning that this was an absolutely tragic thing to have seen that was taking place there in Jerusalem. This is a multitude of people who could not see, who could not walk, who were sick with one disease or another, people who were in pain, people who were tired, people who were hopeless, people who obviously did not have the money available to get whatever actual medical help that may have existed in their day and time. It would have been dirty. It would have been unsanitized. It would have smelled bad. It was a terrible and a tragic place, except for one thing. Jesus is now there. Jesus has come to this place. Look at John chapter 5 and verse 6, just the beginning again. This is not a throwaway phrase when it says, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time. Jesus saw the man and he went straight to where people were suffering. He went straight to where people were hurting. He walked among them apparently completely unnoticed. They did not see him. They did not care that he was there. But he went to what appears to be one of the worst affected in that circle of people that were hurting and needed help. And when it says that he knew that this man had been there for years. Jesus had seen every day of that man's 38 years of being a quadriplegic, of being paralyzed to some degree or another. Jesus does not ignore suffering. We need to know that. We need to remember that when we find ourselves in suffering or more importantly, when we see others who are suffering. And as we will see as this whole story uh, unfolds, it is important to recognize that Jesus spoke to him. And this is instructional for us. Jesus spoke to him. Jesus healed him, which we know we ultimately cannot do, but Jesus certainly can and he still does. And Jesus called the man to faith. He called him to spiritual repentance and he called him to salvation. 
But first, before we go any further, I want us to understand this very practical application for us, which is do we see people in need? And do we reach out to them? This is not a throwaway story here from Jesus. The question is very relevant for our day and our time, and it should make us uncomfortable, but it should give us joy as we think about the opportunity that has been set before us. Do you see your neighbors when they need help? Do you see the homeless when they sit on the corner or when they hide in the woods around our homes? Do you see the people who presently cannot leave their homes because of the pandemic? Do you see the lonely, aged, and the special needs folks who are stuck in nursing homes right now? Do you see them? Do you care? Do you see the children in our public schools who come missing shoes and who come missing underwear and who come without a lunch every day? Do you see those children? Do you see kids and young people who are being sex trafficked around our country and around the world? Do you see refugees from war-torn and oppressed nations as they come literally to Florida looking for help and do we care? Do you see aborted babies robbed of life and thrown in the trash and do you care? This is what Jesus is doing when he sees this man and it is not a stretch to think about all of these different areas of suffering in our immediate world. If you want to follow Jesus, we have to see like Jesus. I can go to where people in need are at. I am not a miracle worker, but I do know the miracle worker. And when I go to them, I can speak to them and I can dignify them as people who are made in the image of God. And I can serve them. I can care for them. I can advocate for them in the name of Jesus Christ. And every opportunity that I get to serve someone, every opportunity that we have to do that, we can do it in a way that we use our words and we say, what I am doing is because Jesus Christ has given me the greatest gift of all time. And in any way that I can, I want to share with you that that same free gift is available to you as well. And what I do for you, I do it in the name of Jesus, who can do things that I can never do, but he can do all things. And let me be 100% clear, this is not political stuff. This is not about politics, it is about people. It is about the kingdom of God. So we ought to, even as we vote, we ought to stop asking which candidate will fix these problems because neither can and neither will. Only the Son of God can and will bring healing. Amen? Only Jesus can do it. And for us as individual believers, we ought to stop asking someone out there to fix it, but to say, where, Jesus, do you want me in this time and place to step into the needs of people who are hurting and suffering and be a part of the gospel healing in their lives? That's what we are called to be. Is it uncomfortable? Yes. Do I want to be a part of that? Do I want to see our church continue to be a part of that? Yes, where Jesus is, that's where I want us to be. But the gospel goes further, doesn't it? You know, at New City, we say that our mission is not only to be disciples or followers of Jesus, it is to make disciples or followers of Jesus, that new people are coming to know the grace of Christ even as we grow in it ourselves. 
And what you're going to see from this story and from every passage of the Scripture is the Bible always calls us to both. It calls us to be disciples who are following after Jesus and growing in our relationship with him, and it calls us to make more. Not that I can save anyone, but that I have the good news and that I can share it with others. And so this next point here as we continue to unwrap the scripture is going to speak to our own hearts and what it means for us to be discipled. Because Jesus has a second question for us this morning. It's an uncomfortable one as well. Jesus says, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed is Jesus' question. Look at all of verse 6 again. It says, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? I don't know about you, I find that question uncomfortable. I find that question a little bit odd. Do you? How many times do you come up to people who are hurting and say, do you want to be healed? That is an odd question from Jesus, isn't it? What is he doing? Why would he say that? It's almost offensive in its nature. Um, I often will do hospital visits for, for folks who are uh, sick. When I walk into that hospital room to, to spend time with them and to pray for them, my first lead question, in fact, I've never walked in the door and said, hey, before we get started, I, just, I have a quick question. Do you want to get healed? I never asked that, right? I assume that that is their desire. When we have gathered uh, the elders together to follow uh, James for someone who is sick, the scripture says that the elders should gather, lay hands on that person, pray for them, and anoint them with oil. When we do that, I don't begin that conversation by saying, real quick, before we get into all this, do you want to be healed? I didn't ask that question. So why is Jesus beginning with this man who obviously is suffering? Why does Jesus begin with, do you want to be healed? I want to suggest to you that that question is informative for us because Jesus comes to every single member of the human race and asks that same question. Do you want to be healed? Do you want the grace of Jesus Christ in your life? Here's what I think Jesus means. Many of us, in this room even, many of us listening this morning by the live stream, we have heard the promises of the Bible. We've read a psalm or two. We've been exposed to the idea of forgiveness. We've heard about salvation by grace. And it sounds really good. Many of us have been around the truth of the gospel our whole lives. We've been raised around it. And kids, this is important for you as well. Our children, you guys have been raised, hopefully, around the truth of, of the Bible, around the truth of the gospel. You've heard it in your home. You hear it here at church. You hear it in a city kids lesson. Maybe you go to a Christian school and you hear it. But hearing it is not the same thing as believing it. The question for all of us, Jesus is asking, do you want to be healed? Many of us don't. And I'm going to offer you a couple of thoughts on why I think that is. What the scripture tells us about our own hearts and minds is this. First of all, I don't want to be healed sometimes because I'm not willing to get, give up what it would cost me to be healed. I like the way things are. So no. Or maybe it's this deep down, we all genuinely think that we can save ourselves. I got this, God. I can do this myself. I can do enough good things. I don't need your healing or your help. And maybe most of all, it's because Jesus demands to be Lord of our life. 
those two ideas go hand in hand. When he becomes your Savior, he becomes your Lord. And many of us go, I don't really know if I want someone else in charge of my life. And so maybe we say to Jesus, not right now. If you are not a believer this morning, if if this maybe describes you, I want to remind you that you can be forgiven today. You can be healed spiritually today, even right now. You can be healed of your greatest problem because illness is not your greatest problem. Your greatest problem is sin. My greatest problem is sin that deserves death. And 100% of us gathered here this morning have both problems, don't we? It's not about being perfect. It's not about successfully following all the rules. You can't. You won't. You didn't. It's about actually asking Jesus to save you, to heal you from your sins. Because accepting the healing of Jesus means rejecting the self-solutions that you've been living on thus far. But if you are a believer this morning, if you say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, this word is for you. Do you want to be healed? Do you want God to keep working in you by the power of His Holy Spirit, which He promises to do, Or are you in a position of resisting God? In fact, every time that we take the Lord's Supper, I remind us of that warning. Where is your heart? Are you resisting God's work and movement in your life? Believers, we still struggle, right? We still sin. We still deal with really hard stuff. And I think for many of us even here today, the question, do you want to be healed, is very relevant. Do you want to be healed, brother or sister, of your bitterness? Do you want to be healed from your unforgiveness towards others? Do you want to be healed from the addictions or the idols that constantly plague you day after day? Do you want to be healed, says Jesus, of the constant conflict in your life or in your family or in your marriage? Do you want to be healed of your selfishness? I remember hearing in a sermon about 15 years ago, what amount of rebellion in your own life are you comfortable with? It was humbling. Look at Jesus and tell him, what amount of rebellion are you comfortable with in your life? I'm talking to believers. I'm talking to myself this morning. Because Jesus says the Holy Spirit is here to work in your life. Do you want to be healed? And the obvious statement behind that statement is Jesus desires to continue to bring that healing spiritually in our lives. For many of us, we feel like we live our lives in such a way that we feel like I don't, I don't really feel God's power on a day-to-day basis. I don't take joy in admitting that I'm a sinner and that I need grace. I will force myself to open God's word or I will force myself to pray, but I don't feel his presence and I don't feel joy. Maybe the Lord is saying today to respond to Jesus' question, do you want to be healed? Do you want him to continue to work in your life with the grace that he has and he desires to continue to pour out into your life? The imperative here is clear. Cry out to God this morning. Whether you've never done it before in your life or you are coming back to the Lord and saying, Heal me, Jesus. I need you. I need more of your love and your grace. The passage goes on. Look at number three. This is our third question that Jesus brings to us. And it certainly goes right along with the second. Do you recognize that you cannot heal yourself? 
Do you genuinely understand and believe? You can't do it. Look at verse 7. The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I am going, another steps down before me. This man wanted to be healed, but he also recognized that he could not do it himself. He was interested in a physical healing, yes, but the reality of what is taking place is a spiritual matter. God helps those who help themselves. It doesn't say that in the Bible. (laughs) Do you know that? That is the dumbest thing that I could ever say. God helps those who help themselves. No. God helps those who run in the opposite direction and do not desire his grace or his mercy. You cannot heal yourself. And for this guy, 38 years of being paralyzed had pretty well convinced him that he needed someone to help him. And that is the position of the heart that God calls us to. Look at Romans 5, 6. Such a powerful synopsis of everything that we're saying here. You see at just the right time when we were still powerless. Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for me, the ungodly. I didn't do it. I didn't earn it. And I cannot save myself. Yesterday, October 31st, we celebrated a massive international holiday. What was it? Reformation Day. Yes. I know Halloween happened. I'm great with Halloween. Reformation Day, though, happened on October 31st, a couple years ago, about 500 years ago, in 1517. Maybe you know these stories, maybe you don't, but I want you to know that there was a young Catholic monk by the name of Martin Luther And he did something revolutionary. He opened his Bible. And he started reading. His culture and his church told him not to. But he started reading the Bible. A story about him says that he began to wrestle with the fact that he he felt like he wasn't good enough. He tried to be good enough to earn God's favor. But he knew it wasn't going to be enough. He climbed the Scala Sancta, or the Holy Stairs. Supposedly, the same stairs that Jesus ascended when he appeared before Pilate, and according to fables, these steps had been moved from Jerusalem all the way over to Rome, and so you could go to Rome. And the priests of that day claimed that God would forgive the sins of those who climbed the stairs if you climbed them on your knees, which Luther did repeating the Lord's Prayer over and over again, kissing each step as he walked on his bloody knees to the top and seeking peace with God. But when he got to the top, it says he thought, who knows whether this is true? Who knows whether I am any closer to God? Until he read Romans 1.17, the just shall live by faith. And it changed everything for him. And he became disgusted by things that he was seeing in his world and in his church and in his city. They were selling things called indulgences, which were little pieces of meaningless paper that the Catholic Church was selling so you could buy your dead relatives out of purgatory. To literally pay off the debt for your sins with a piece of paper and coin. You could pay off the debt for sins committed in the past or if you planned on committing one in the future, just buy the paper. And so on October 31st, 1517, he protested. 
And he wrote 95 statements, 95 protests, 95 theses, they called them. And he nailed those to the doors of the Wittenberg Church in Wittenberg, Germany, and said what I'm saying to you now, that above all, that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, through Jesus Christ alone, and there is nothing that I can do to heal or save myself. It's grace. It's a gift. I can't do it, but He can, and this is still how God saves sinners today. See, this passage reminds us that spiritually speaking, you and I, we were, or we are maybe still today, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed who spiritually need Jesus to save us because we cannot heal ourselves, but Jesus can save. Fourth and finally, have you decided? Jesus asked us this question. Look at the last couple verses, beginning in verse 16. This was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing things on the Sabbath, doing these things on the Sabbath, healing people. But Jesus answered him, my father is working until now, and I am working. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. The question is very clear here. Have you chosen a side? Have you decided? Decision 2020. I'm not talking about the election. I'm talking about Jesus. Because what this passage says very clearly is there are not multiple options. There are two. You can be a Pharisee or you can be a follower. You can be saved by Jesus or you can approach him as your enemy. In, in youth group this week on Wednesday, we watched a video and we learned about the crucifixion of Jesus in some detail. It's a hard thing for anybody to watch because it's true and it's powerful. And it was an awful moment when Jesus was crucified. And what I said to the students, what I said to your kids after we watched that video is I said this is not, as you think about Jesus' death and all that happened, this is not simply a matter of head knowledge. I want you to know. I want you to know the truth. But it is also a matter of a heart decision. What is your relationship to Jesus? And there are only two options. You can be a Pharisee. You see the way the Pharisees react. It's awful. The Pharisees did not care that this guy had been healed. He's been ill for 38 years. He shows up and says, I'm healed, and they do not care. In fact, they are angry about it, aren't they? Because their rules that they had added to the Sabbath, not God's rules, not in the Old Testament, but their rules forbid any sort of action, and so they were disgusted that Jesus was doing work on the Sabbath. But here's the deeper issue. The Pharisees did not think that they needed to be healed. The Pharisees did not believe on any level that they needed help, certainly not from Jesus. See, the Pharisees wanted their own rules because they could do their own self-justification. No grace from God. And again, guys, our hearts are all from birth that way. We are born self-justifiers. And these guys for us typify it. They would have taken John 3.16 and rewritten it, for God so loved the world that he gave a list of rules to follow. 
that whosoever follows the rules will enter into heaven. That was how they wanted to approach spiritual matters. You can be a Pharisee. These people would not be satisfied till they succeeded in betraying Jesus, arresting Jesus, lying about Jesus, and putting him to death in the worst form of execution that the world has ever invented. That was their end goal. Or by God's grace, you can be a follower. You can be a follower, a disciple of Jesus. And as this passage teaches, you can care about those who are in need. You can share the good news of Jesus. You can ask for them to be healed. And more importantly, you can also ask for yourself to be healed. Does God heal people physically? Yes, absolutely all the time. But you are missing out if you don't understand that Jesus' ultimate goal and mission was to save us eternally, permanently, spiritually, and you can ask him to be healed even this day. And you can experience what had to have been just an amazing moment for this guy of joy in being healed. This guy was healed. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the joy that he must have felt? He must have been shouting and screaming, I'm healed. He's running around to every other person around that pool. I'm healed. I couldn't get up. I've been here for 38 years. I'm alive. I'm moving. I'm walking. Look at me. We don't know exactly what his reaction was. The scripture doesn't tell us everything, but you can imagine the joy that he felt in that moment. Spiritually, we don't know. Jesus goes back to him and gives him the good news of the gospel. We don't see him ever respond in faith. I have two friends. I grew up with them. Men, uh, when I was a child, these were uh, grown men who were both quadriplegics. Uh, Logan Owen and Sean Casey, many of you remember them. And they both loved Jesus because Jesus had healed them spiritually of their sin problem, even though they spent their adult lives in wheelchairs. And they longed for that day of physical healing as well, but their hope was in heaven. And in the final years of Sean's life, he passed away in February, just before COVID hit. Uh, I got to visit him periodically, and I would come, and I would read the scripture to him, and I would pray. And, and by the final years of his life, he, he literally could not even speak. He could almost not interact with you. But I know this. When I read the good news of the gospel to him, his eyes were different. His eyes shone with a brightness and a hope. He couldn't even utter a sound. I knew that his hope was in heaven. His hope was in Jesus. Both that he looked forward to a moment that he is now experiencing where he is no longer suffering physically in any way but where he would see Jesus face to face because his sins had been forgiven and he had experienced, he will and he does now in this moment experience new life. Believer, do you want to be healed? Call upon Jesus. Let him continue to work in your life. And if you have never called upon Jesus to be your personal Lord and Savior, let today be the day. Jesus, I'm a sinner and I'm sorry. Forgive me. Save me from my sins. I want to spend eternity with you. Let's take a moment. Let's pray together. Let's talk to this good God.